Catherine Toon. All right, we're going to do a really meaningful, really pertinent message today. Me and when I say we, it's the royal we. <laughs> it's me and Jesus <laughs> and you because we're all one. We're going to do this together. Uh, we're going to talk about freedom from the taskmaster of performance. So, wow, is this a message? And I can preach on this because I was bowed over, heavy laden, all of that uh, with this whole concept of performance. And it's a really sneaky taskmaster uh, because it sounds so godly. You know, I was, I was ministering to a, uh, just an amazing high power, got it going on person, uh, but just exhausted. And, you know, she'd come from a family where their motto was excellence and integrity. Yeah. Excellence and integrity, which sounds great, right? Uh, and the thing is, it is great until it's not. So let's talk about this because, you know, the world in the world, we're in pursuit of success. What, what the heck is that? Uh, we're in pursuit of being our best self. We're in pursuit of our best level of fitness. We're in pursuit of, you know, the perfect diet. We're in pursuit of, the best message that is going to rock the world for Jesus. We're in pursuit of doing great things for Jesus. We're doing it. We're in pursuit of platforms and I mean, you name we're money. We're in pursuit of so many things. Right. And you know, the truth is, you see the, the, the thing, the thing that makes that confusing is that each and every person on the face of the earth, was created for greatness. They, they, they have greatness inside them. This is really true. So, which means that greatness and the manifestation of that greatness is a real thing. We were, we're also called to do exploits for the kingdom of God, for Jesus, right? For, we're called to contribute. We're called to do amazing things. And so a lot of times we know this and we're kind of frustrated. Uh, the challenge is when you're in pursuit of success, it's kind of like a mirage. You pursue it, right? And it's ever elusive. So you move forward and when the mirage moves forward and the mirage is tantalizing, the mirage seems like I can get it, but I can never get it because this whole concept of perfectionism, performance, success, all of that is based on a faulty premise. And the faulty premise is that it's something outside of you. It's out that the source of that will make you something. You know, I, I grew up in a, um, in a household that had a lot of very, very serious issues, abused, all this stuff. Okay. Um, and 
in my little girl mind, uh, I internalized the message that was very clear that you personally weren't really of any value, but what you did, now that was of value. And this is a message that is a, a mantra that that goes over and over. And then sometimes what happens is we get really confused and we slap a Jesus label on it. For example, this person who whose family motto was excellence and integrity. Well, you know, what happened was in pursuit of excellence and integrity, there there came a place where there was a striving and basically love was violated. Hearts were crushed and mistakes were not okay and failure was not an option. And what is that? So, you know, while we know we're made for greatness and we know, well, let me put it this way. If you don't know, you're made for greatness. That's you. That's every single person. So Ephesians 2.10 says that you are his masterpiece, his poema, his poem to the world recreated in Christ Jesus to do the good works, which he prearranged and made ready for you to live in, living the good life that he prearranged and made ready for you to live. So because you are this crafted workmanship, there's exploits with your name on them. But the challenge is, is when we're in pursuit of the purpose and use the purpose to define us that's when we run into problems. And it can go one of two ways. Uh, performance is, is a taskmaster because it's never enough. There's always, you know, you win the gold uh, gold medal, right? And then someone else will break your record, you know? So it's just ever increasing and people knock themselves out and then you come up dry and empty. You don't have to, but if it's the idolatry, which is what that, is of some sort of performance, some sort of mark. Uh, I'm going to be a millionaire before, before I'm 30, uh, whatever, you know, the thing is, uh, it will always leave you emptier than when you started. And it's, it's incredibly disillusioning. And, and people who have, say, won gold medals, a lot of times they wake up the next day and they're so depressed because what do I pursue now? Because if if your whole purpose in life is to win something and you attain it and you're not content in who you are, then too much is never enough. Okay. And that's, that's, that's the challenge of idols. That's on one side, the hyper performance that tends to drive you. And I'm going to talk more about my story in a bit because I, I started and then I switched to someone else's. I know I did that, but I want to give you the other side. There's another side of performance where people feel so insignificant, so worthless, such a failure, so fearful that they never try it all. So they don't attempt to do anything. And so they live in this substandard world beneath who they are and shrink in who they are. And so, you know, the question is, how do you balance it? Now, I'm going to talk about my story a little bit so I get to tell on myself. For me, when I was seven and I learned the name of the game so-called was you're only as good as what you do. And that was really, really um, drummed in in some very abusive ways. 
uh, into my consciousness and my subconsciousness. So I said in my little, my little seven year old brain, well, if that's the name of the game, uh, what, what's the hardest thing I can do? Because if that's my value, I better pick something pretty good. So in my little seven year old brain, I said, Oh, I'm going to be a doctor. And I made a vow to be a doctor. And sure enough, I did 20 years later. Um, I did it and I did it Phi Beta Kappa. I did it with Ivy League. I did it. I, and, and I mean, just you name it. I, I had all the bells and whistles and hoops and, and I was incredibly jacked up. Now I was a really good doctor, I have to say, because I cared about my patients and I'm a smart cookie. So, you know, between those two and I'm willing to work hard. Okay. So those bore me well, except it wasn't what I was supposed to do. And the truth is, if you're not enough, with your gold medal, with your MD, with your platform, uh, with your ministry, with your, uh, you know, bank account, with your, um, beauty. If you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it and vice versa, right? See, the thing is your value is based on the fact that you're a son and daughter of a God who sacrifices everything for you, who, who, who your value is priceless. You have, there's no value that can be put on you. But when we're not convinced of that, when we're convinced of something else, we start trying to do things to prop up our value. We fluff it, we buff it, we puff it, we lift it, we, okay. You know, the beauty industry, the fitness industry, it's just this never ending thing. And then you think, well, if I can just get my diet perfect, no, if I can just get my workout perfect, no, if I, if I can just get my things budgeted, no, um, you know, if I just get my, and it just goes on and on. And the truth is, if it's based on that, it's never enough. And so you either wipe yourself out, trying, distraining, or you give up or don't even try. And in both cases, one case you end up totally exhausted and maybe you just totally burn out. You're just, you got nothing left, nothing in the tank. On the other hand, you may just be so depressed and so underperforming that you do nothing and you shrink down to a little nebbish, what my mom would say, she called a little nebbish, okay? A little, little version of yourself that's not really who you are. And so how do you, how do you walk this out? Because, because performance is a taskmaster. Um, it's never enough. You know, if you read your, if you read your Bible, six chapters that you didn't read seven, if you woke up in the morning and you prayed for an hour, you should pray for two hours. You know, if you evangelized, I'm using our Christianese stuff because we, 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 we slap a Jesus label on it, but it's still the same idol. If I evangelized two people, well, there's, there's a whole bunch, there's a thousand people that are going to die and go to hell, you know? And so why didn't I do that? And it's just never enough. And the thing is, if you're not enough, nothing you do will ever make you enough, except for you're intrinsically enough because you're created in the image and likeness of the one who is everything. You're one with him. You look just like him in your flavor. So, you know, how, how do we, how do we, um, how do we 
get freedom. We're talking about freedom, right? And um, the word says where the spirit is Lord, uh, there is freedom. Okay. So where the spirit is Lord, what does that mean? Well, now I'm not saying, you know, I don't know where you are with your heaven, hell doctrine, and this is not that. But when I'm talking about lordship, I'm saying where he is the one that is reigning supremely in union with you in every area of your life. And where that's not happening, there is some kind of bondage. Because what God does is he bends down and to serve instead of demanding that you serve. And he asks us one thing where he says, love as I love. A new commandment I've given you is to love as I have loved you. And you see, that's impossible, except you're called to do impossible things by abiding in the one who is love himself. And out of that place, you will automatically love. And what that love will look like is serving one another. But we don't serve to prove that we love. We serve as a byproduct of love that we get as a byproduct of our union with the one who is love. See, you were, you were created in his image and likeness. Okay. And so, you know, the word of God says in Daniel, it says, them that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Okay. So you are called to do exploits. You're that workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus to do the good works. There's good works with your name on them. There's stuff that you're called to do that you get to do that's unbelievably fulfilling and all of that. But none of it determines your value. All of it comes from the fact that you already are priceless. When we rest in who we are as sons and daughters that are so adored. And that we're just adored when we do nothing. We're adored when we screw up. We're adored when we worship Satan. Don't do that bad idea. But we're adored you know, when we cheat and lie and do despicable things, we're adored. We're adored when Jesus says, turn right and we turn left. We're adored. We're adored when we're clueless. We're adored when we're brilliant. We're ad- we're just adored. <laughs> and when you settle down in the adoration of the one who is perfection, the one who actually is 2020 vision, and you recognize that as you see him, he reveals himself to you. And as he reveals himself to you, you're literally transformed in his image. And out of that place, you're going to do amazing things by accident. You're going to do things as a byproduct. Of course, you're going to do amazing things because you are already amazing. But let me just say this. How many of you have little kids, little babies, and you look at them and right as, as you look at that baby. Now, let me say this about babies. They're utterly adorable, pure, innocent little love bundles. Okay. However, (laughs) they really offer nothing. They pee, they poop. They, you know, they barf all over you. They keep you up at night. They cry. They um, keep you from doing, they exhaust you. 
that you look at them with all their little stinky orifices and everything's adorable. <laughs> They're completely adored. They have nothing to offer. <laughs> But they're adored. Why? Because they're yours. It's your baby. It's your little boy. It's your little girl. Right? And you adore them. And the truth is, you're God's little boy. You're God's little girl. You're God's big boy, big girl. Grown up warrior, you know. <laughs> but you are utterly adored. And as we settle in that, we settle in his adoration. Do you know the word bless means to bow down, to bow down and kind of worship. And guess what happened when God created Adam and his wife Eve? He bowed down and worshiped them. Don't, don't, don't like throw stones, put them down, put them down. Or throw stones at something else. Okay. Because that's what the word bless means. Okay. Now, it's not that he's saying, I'm not God and you're God. He's not saying that. He's just saying, I'm so enamored with you. I cannot help but adore you. And that's how he feels about you. Guess what? You're created in his image and likeness. That means you look just like him in your flavor. As he is, so are we in this world in your flavor. And your unique flavor and your get down with your bad self flavor. And that is you and God adores you. I remember one time in my um, growth process, I was uh, so frustrated with myself. I was trying to get this concept of rest and like that, you know, I, I, I had no grid for rest. I was strive central and I got it honestly, because if I wasn't striving for value and significance, I was striving so I'd keep so busy and move so fast that the pain I was trying to avoid feeling, I might just be able to run fast enough so it wouldn't catch up. Okay, I had a lot, I, I had issues. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm laughing because I'm on the other side. I can afford to laugh and there is joy on the other side. There is freedom on the other side, right? So I knew about striving and I, and I was trying to get this thing of rest and I was camping out in Hebrews 4, you know, you know those, you know, that have la labored to enter the rest and blah, blah, blah. And I, I was like, I am so not, I am not getting, no, not, I am not, I was so frustrated <laughs> because in my striving, I couldn't figure out this rest thing. And you know, God, God is so awesome. He goes, Catherine, you're so adorable when you're clueless. And it, at first it annoyed me, quite frankly. I'm like, thanks, thanks, thanks for helping, helper, you know. <laughs> but then I started to think about it. It's like, now, if he adores me when I'm clueless, when I have absolutely nothing to offer, when there's no brilliance coming out of me, or I, I don't know which way's up, I can't preach it, I can't, I can't, like, I'm clueless, and he adores me, that means I must be pretty dang adorable. And it started me on this journey where I learned I could rest because even me getting the concept of rest was not necessary to be adored. <laughs> when you're adored by the one who 
is in all things, upholding all things by the word of his power in whom we live and move and have our being. If you're just adored on your good hair days and your bad hair days, if all your stinky parts are adored in, in your physical realm and your spiritual realm and your relational, emotional, financial, you name it, realm and all the ugly that, you know, that we're all, uh, being, uh, uh, redeemed and reformed out or whatever out of. You're just adored there. Well, then you can probably relax. It's just going to be okay. And you see, when you finally start to relax, you can actually take risks because failure is not fatal. I mean, when I was growing up, failure was fatal. It was, it was utterly devastating. Because intrinsically, we knew we were pieces of crap, you know, worthless pieces of crap, just meant to be used. But we were painted nice, and we looked nice, and we spoke really well. You know, I was raised in an academic home, so, you know, we could put it on, right? And, and um, but when you, you knew that and you failed, it just proves you once again what a worthless piece of crap you were. And so I needed a lot of heart healing. Uh, so what happened is that seven-year-old made that vow. I'm going to be a doctor. And sure enough, I did it. I mean, it was naughty. I could, I could, man, I could work hard. I could work hard. I could barrel my way through. I could do that. And I did. And I did it well. And I was a good doctor. I really was. I cared about my patients. I practiced good medicine. I had a conscience, uh, which sometimes was not appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> that was really, I got stories, but, uh, but because it wasn't what I was supposed to do, the grace was not there. And I finally, I just couldn't wait to get out. I couldn't wait. To, it was just not there. What I really wanted in my heart of hearts was to have the impossible thing, the impossible thing. And the impossible thing for me was something I had no grid for. And that was to have a wonderful family, to have a great husband to have beautiful kids. And God brought that to pass. He really did. So faithful. But I threw myself into that to try to be the perfect mom, the perfect wife. And then, you know, my kids are growing, whatever. And then God calls me in the ministry. And then I said, I've got to be the perfect minister. And all these things that I was basing my whole identity on. Everything but what it's really based on. Which is you. In God, as a son and daughter, created in the image and likeness of love, who is a poem to the world, who is utterly adored and adorable, and able out of that place to love deeply and contribute amazingly, because then that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits from the place of rest. See, when you know you're adored, then you're free to fail. Because it changes nothing except for, wow, you really screwed that. Wow. that Wow. <laughs> but it doesn't change who you are because you know who you are. You look just like Jesus in your flavor. You're a son. You're his daughter. He approves of you. He's, yeah, he's your greatest fan. Look at you failing. That's amazing. <laughs> and if you fail enough, you'll probably succeed at something. But that won't be your source, your identity, significant significance, worth, value, security, all of that 
is wrapped up in your relationship with God who made you, who adores you, and who is eternal. It goes way beyond what we do on this side, although this side of living, right? Although that is so important. And so when you allow the Lord to minister to all those places that are believing those lies, and it's very, very sneaky, insidiously subtle. You know, God will, he will, he will boot away those idols. He will boot them away because he loves you. Uh, I was ministering to this one person and, and her family was all about excellence and um, integrity, which are great until they're not. Like, so if say you didn't do something with excellence and maybe you're, and so, I mean, she's wound up tighter than a spring and can't let anything go. And everything is a big deal. And I'm like, oh my God, you're exhausting me just looking at you. Part of my thing is honestly, I got so burnt out and so exhausted. I'm like, if I can't do it from rest, it's just not happening. Like if I got to make it work, <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> I'm just going to be happy, me and Jesus, with nothing working. <laughs> and, but it's amazing when you can relax with that, what you're freed up to be able to accomplish. So if that's not God that you were speaking about, well, God is certainly a God of excellence and integrity. Absolutely. But you see, excellence and integrity comes from the fact that you know who you are. So if you know who you are and you're resting in that, you're going to be excellent and you're going to do things with excellence and you're going to have integrity because that's who you are. You do from your who. Who are you? You look just like Jesus. You're in his image and likeness. You're of his substance. You're a son and daughter. Okay. So if that's who you are, you're going to be, you're going to do Jesus like things as you remain in him and him and you, you will bear much fruit apart from him. You can do nothing. Understand that's a functional, uh, a, a relationship. That's not a true reality because you're never apart from him. But when we act like we're apart from him, like I'm going to make this work. Okay. Good luck with that. When you get exhausted, I'll, I'll be right there to help you out. <laughs> When you crash and burn, I'll be right there. As you go up in flames, I'll be right there to help you out. And so obviously you're going to do things with excellence. Obviously you're going to do things with integrity. But that doesn't mean they're not things that you don't have to do. Because the sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. So, you know, maybe you don't need to do um square bed corners. You know, maybe that's okay. <laughs> The fact that you can find the bed and it has a sheet and a blanket, woohoo, you got it going on, right? Because the thing is, um, those things are designed to serve you. You're not designed to serve them. You know, I, I, I had this one, this person, she was in total bondage to meal prepping. Now is, are making healthy meals important? Yes, yes. But when you're in bondage, to prepping meals because you have to have everything perfect or something. Well, dang it. You know, I mean, use your faith and heat up a TV dinner. I'm <laughs> just saying, forget that noise. So if it has life in it, which will, it will, if the Lord is leading you that way. 
but you were not made to be to serve it. It was made to serve you. You don't go serving money. Is money a good thing? Yes. I vote for lots of it. Feel free to write me out ridiculous checks. I will receive them and bless them and praise God and thank you and all of that. But I vote for money, but I am not willing to serve it. I am not willing, right? It is, I, we're not intended to serve these things. That's bondage. It becomes your taskmaster. It's meant to serve you. So excellence integrity is great and be led with what that looks like, but let it serve you and reflect who you are. You see, Jesus had a no. So when he was on earth, he didn't heal everything that moved. Now, I mean, I, you know, he did heal them all. I get it. Okay. But I'm saying there were times it was like, I will catch you later. I'm hanging out with my father. <laughs> and you think, bad Jesus, what are you doing? <laughs> and it's like, no, because first things first, he knew his source. So, which means he had boundaries. So, which means you can go to sleep at night. And if someone dies without knowing Jesus, release them to Jesus He'll deal with them after the grave, I believe. But however that is, release it to Jesus. It is not on you. Okay. When it is on you, then you do it. And you do it with excellence and integrity. But when it's not, when you take it upon yourself as your burden that you must do it, we have now ceased from being led by the spirit to being in bondage to a taskmaster, to be in bondage to performance. I might have to do a part two on this because I can tell this has got a zing on it. Anyway, I love you guys. Have an amazing day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.